touch line takes. It's certain terms a better combination than Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. This touch line takes podcast. Excuse me for being excited, people. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 12 of Touchline Takes. I am Cameron, and I'm here with my co-host, Carl, and we're here to talk to you about the uh, the beautiful game. Beautiful game. Um, Carl, so what's going on with you, dude? Not much, man. It's been, uh, I've had lack of internet for the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast how awful uh spectrum is um and i think anybody who has Mm -hmm. dealt with spectrum can attest to that um but yeah i've been dealing with that and you know just trying to we had our first winter snowstorm up here in the great white north uh in maine saturday yeah it was saturday had a bunch of snow and uh the wind luckily we didn't lose power so that was good but at the same time kind of messed with the internet to make it worse than it already is so i'm hoping for a nice clean sort of bounce back for spectrum um you know kind of coming back off injury here you know i'm hoping them to get them right back out on the pitch and kind of uh, really performing yep. at you know kind of that sub optimal level it was performing at before so uh, the, the physios have been doing their work yeah. and they're they're expecting a uh, quick recovery yeah. it was a minor injury exactly i gave it some of those like smelling salts you know they give to the players you know uh, oh. uh, before they go in and i'm you know i'm just fingers crossed man like it's uh I, I don't know what i have a better chance with either my internet staying true or tottenham winning a title this year um i don't know what my odds are mm. for either one of those right now um we are talking spectrum which can't avoid uh being known as time warner for as long as it exists for as long. they tried as hard as they could to you know change that name out but it's still time warner in my heart so i i don't know I, both of them are kind of set up to fail so <laughs> we'll see um oh uh, what about you man but carl oh, uh oh. mls Oh, See, oh, I, I yeah, wasn't yeah, going to be, I, can, I, I talk about myself rude. a little bit, Listen, I guess. I wasn't going to be rude and not ask you how you were doing. You know, <laughs> I felt like I, I, I had to pry a little bit, you know, get good, a little in depth, give our listeners a little kind of inside look at the life of Cameron. Yeah. So I've been sitting in a basement of, uh, the building I work at for the past week and a half here. Um, there are no windows in there. It's kind of a weird place. We, we threw a random conference table into a room that I think is, uh, or was some sort of cafe back in the day. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of weird. I've just been doing a lot of of work putting together, uh, these binders. I'm not really going to go into that, but it's, it's been a weird week and a half. I haven't really been able to watch any soccer or anything like that just because I've been too tired at night doing all Mm -hmm. that. But I'm uh, more than happy to get talking about oh, it. Oh, yeah, definitely. So with that said, um, after a fairly surprising MLS playoff season, I, I, I'm almost a little unsurprised by uh, the teams that made it, made it to the final. I mean, there is some surprise yeah. there, but I think the uh, the original Shockers ended up falling off. Oh, no, definitely. Um, I Listen, Cameron, I... <laughs> I have a confession to make, and I I really don't know how I feel about expressing this. Like, this feels a little weird. Um, you know, it's like I'm back in middle school again, and, you know, I'm talking to that person I like, and I'm looking to ask them out. It's kind of like that nerves feeling, kind of expressing what I'm... Are you going to ask me out? <laughs> I, I was thinking about... Yes, Cameron, will you, will you go out with me? 
No, I, I, I honestly won't. Oh, you're really not my type. Oh man. Well, you know what? It's uh. But hey, I mean, you're you're a nice guy. I though. shot my shot. I shot. You know, you know what? This this was great <laughs> while it lasted, guys. Touchline takes twelve episodes it's strong, over. but it it looks like we're breaking up. Yep. Just kidding. We are back together. Um. So, <laughs> Cameron, listen. In all seriousness, like we we, we we have to be serious right now about this because I Okay. Yeah, I can hold it together for the pod. Okay. You know, all our children, they need us. They need us. Cameron, I I feel like at times I'm like public enemy number one for the MLS. Like I just no matter what they do, no matter what changes they make, what kind of strides they make, I will sit here, I will criticize them. Um, I hold a very heavy grudge against the MLS, how it's run, how the you know ownerships run their teams. But, but there's a but here. I have been watching for mm-hmm. the last, I would say about the last three years. I've been really trying to force myself to watch MLS. I'm like, you know what? This is this is a product that a lot of people enjoy. This is a product that I feel like at in, at times I can enjoy, and maybe I'll enjoy it more in the future. Um, so I started, you know, once the MLS tournament, um, that MLS's back tournament began in Florida. You know, I started watching almost regularly all the games and watching it, and that was a lot of fun. And then the regular season started up again, and that felt like a lot of fun. You know, you saw a lot of teams um, with their sort of, I guess, expansion of playoff teams this year because of the weird season, the pandemic. It was fun seeing teams like Nashville, like the Revs had success. It was fun watching Minnesota United have success. Um, Yeah. So I... I have, Cameron, listen, I have actually enjoyed this MLS season. Um, Oh, boy. I, of course, you know, anybody who watches the MLS and also watches, you know, the game elsewhere in Europe or South America, um, you can tell that the product on the pitch is, you know, still not comparable to those other places. Mm. But it's been fun. And I think... And see, I actually want to I want to jump in real quick. Uh, I think the the issues that we have with with MLS are structural. Yeah, hundred um, you know, percent. How it's administered, mm-hmm. it doesn't come down to it is it's it is fun. I, I'm not going to argue that point at all. Um, I've I've definitely had a good time watching MLS. Um, I've had a good time following the teams themselves, but it, it's it's the structure that that I think we can both agree that is not. That it, it that's where it ends for us. Yeah. That's what we don't enjoy, um, and that's what we hope to see change. And I think the thing is, that's the one of the easiest parts to change. You know, like it's it's difficult to elevate your league mm-hmm. to the quality of Europe, right? But it's fairly easy to to you know flip a switch and say, all right, we're we're you know we're gonna get rid of some of our our salary cap restrictions, yes. etc. Um, so yeah, I can definitely agree. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we haven't mentioned it yet, but the final is between Columbus crew and Seattle Sounders, um, returning to the final once again, the second year in a row here. Once again. Yeah, no, like, like you said at the beginning, it's really no surprise after a couple maybe possible surprises we could have seen in the final. You know, again, it's, it feels like either at the Eastern conference, it's always Columbus or Toronto. And then the Western conference, it's either Portland or Seattle, or that's the way it's sort of been for the last, I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. five or so years. Um, I might be missing some. I'll probably get some hate mail because I'm missing some here. But um, 
I don't know. Like, I, I think you really made a good point there that everything is sort of structural in what we dislike about the MLS. And for me, I feel like a lot of times I have a hard time kind of like separating the product that's out on the pitch and the structural ideas of what the MLS is. And it, like the my sort of grudge and like anguish towards that structural um, system the MLS has kind of like sours my taste of the league a little bit too much. Um, And I've really been trying to kind of look past that and say, you know what, like I I feel optimistic that the MLS, you know, is going to figure it out and it's going to start moving towards a little bit more in um, what we hope for in the future. Um, uh, But you just, I, I, I don't know sometimes. Um, I feel like, you know, every time I get confident that they're moving in the right direction, you know, all of a sudden something, you know, something comes up and just throws them backwards in my mind. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been fun. And I, I think that's, <laughs> I, I don't want to say it's the nicest way I can put it, but it, it's the best way I can put it, that it's been fun. And, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of times sports is entertainment. And what we look for in this game is, you know, the drama, the fun, the excitement, uh, watching Seattle come back from two goals down and, you know, the last 20 minutes of the game, like that's exciting. You know, it's, it's exciting for the sport. It's exciting for the league. Um, and I think, you know, it's in a good direction going forward. Well, and speaking of going forward, uh, who do you have for the, oh, the final? Man. Who are you thinking? I, I, I gotta, I gotta go with Seattle. I think Seattle's, you know, the, uh, best, well-coached team um i think seattle has a great depth they got such talented players on that team um i just I, I i don't see maybe columbus puts up you know sort of a fight but i see seattle winning by two or three goals in that game all right I, i'll take that i think um for me personally it's nice to see columbus crew uh make it back to the final uh, especially after a rough you know, last couple of years here oh, where yeah. uh, the fate of the team itself was sort of in uh, in flux. Yeah, uh, definitely. With, what is his name? Is it is it Precourt? Precourt, the guy that that uh, yeah. wanted to start a team in Austin was just going to move Columbus there. Yeah, he's the he's the owner. I wanted to. I think he's the owner of the Austin franchise now. Yeah. Let's see. I I can't remember off the top of my head really. Um. I'm trying to think. I, I do remember that whole drama, though. He is. He, he is. is. Yeah, it's Anthony Precourt. Uh, but yes, it. but yes, uh, you know, long story short, it's it's good to see Columbus make it kind of a little bit of a middle finger to him, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful middle finger, right? Like, I mean, it's uh, something as fans, you know, I, I know, I don't know any Columbus fans personally, but I know through social media and stuff like that, through Reddit, you know, they were really worried about the the future of that franchise um, and, you know, to kind of stick it to him and kind of show that they, you know, and it's it's remarkable to me because, you know, I always I think of Ohio, you think of Ohio, you think of cities like Cleveland, like Cincinnati. But then having like a, a team from Columbus kind of like have the success that they're having. And I know Columbus is a big city. I'm not trying to like nothing against Columbus. But, you know, a lot of times Columbus kind of gets, you know, seen as because that's where Ohio State is. And, you know, people who love college football know Columbus for Ohio State. 
Um, and so it's, it's really exciting to see a city like Columbus kind of, you know, have the success that they're having, um, at this level in professional sports. Yeah. I'm also excited. And it's, uh, it's a couple classic teams. Um, you know, Seattle, Seattle did come in as an expansion, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I almost do kind of consider them to be one of the more classic MLS teams at this point. Um, with the history of the league, it's, you know, it's. I think it's a bit easier to classify some of those earlier expansion teams as classics now. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be watching it. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting game to me. I, I really don't know who's going to win, and I think that's sort of the story of these playoffs so far this year. Is that it's, uh, it's anyone's game, any round. So, um, as, as we said, you know, it's a little disappointing to not see Minnesota and Nashville make it a little bit further. But hey, I, th- I still think we're going to have a good final. Definitely. Um, but. But dropping a little bit lower down the pyramid, we have a new club uh, after, you know, what seems like just a barrage of of new teams in in USL. We've got another one. Uh, We've got a team, uh, the Fuego, uh, out of Central Valley in California. That is awesome. Um, Sort of the Fresno area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is... (laughs) This is so cool. I I feel like every single podcast, every single week we record, we're like, hey, look at more movement going on in USL and USL League One, you know, and it's just like it's just growing so fast. I can't even keep up with it half the time. And um, and to see, you know, see this club coming across, I think I when did they announce it? Like two days ago, I think it was two or so. I mean, yeah, I have the article pulled up here. Uh, USL League One posted this on December 8th and it is December 10th today. OK, that's right. Um, yeah, no, this is this is really, really awesome. Um, and I, I, I do. I love the name Fuego, too. Um, because, you know, it is really paying for those of you who don't know, it's really paying homage to a former USL League two side that was right around that mm-hmm. same area in Fresno called Fresno Fuego FC. And, you know, it, it's really always awesome to see, a, you know, a club come back into that community and kind of really try to grab on to what they had before, you know, just kind of use that as a, almost like a springboard to, you know, what success they can have in the future. Yeah, and I think uh, importantly as well, um, we don't have a lot out there on the the western side of the country for USL League One. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's good to see a contingent starting to be built. Um, really, the closest team is probably uh, FC Tucson, oh, I yeah. would say. That is um, right. Wow. But, but yeah, I think when I was looking up uh, Fresno Fuego FC, they'd been around since around 2000 and two i want to say as early as that playing in like you said the usl league two um formerly known as um pdl so yeah it's uh it's it's good to see that that you know they're they're bringing that back and that they decided to um as you said pay homage to um an older franchise instead of you know just trying to start a, a perfectly new team off the ground um but I, I, I hope we'll see more of that. I know that UPSL has a strong presence in California. Oh, yeah. So what we might eventually see are some teams that um, rise up through the ranks there and uh, decide to go pro in a, in a capacity like USL League One. Yeah, no, definitely. And it would be nice to see. I know, I know California in general has such a great sort of... Uh you know, soccer community. We've talked about it briefly on other podcasts, and especially with our interview of Orange County SC. Um, 
president in GM, like we talked about the community and just how people really love the game out there and especially out West. I mean, I feel like people love the game everywhere in this country. I, I don't kind of want to zero in on one region, but to see, you know, especially at these lower leagues, these teams sort of be able to grow and kind of build those grassroots type of clubs and those grassroots sort of relationships um, is really just going to, you know, help the game just continue that growth here in the United States. I totally agree with you, Carl. Uh, and speaking of USL uh, and California, uh, we can announce that um, after speaking with uh, Orange County Soccer Club, um, they are now releasing their documentary series again. Isn't that right, Carl? This is right. And this is so fun. I, I remember when Oliver sort of dropped this little bug in our ear during the interview to kind of stay tuned and, you know, something big's going to be coming. I'm like, oh, man, like, what is it going to be like, you know, obviously everybody loves sort of that episode they did Path to Glory on ESPN mm -hmm. um, back over the summer. Um, but to see them like and especially, you know, even more to see a company like CBS. So if those of you don't know that Every week, an episode is going to be streaming on CBS All Access. I'm not really sure how many episodes off the top of my head it's going to be. Um, but uh, it, it's just going to be such an awesome sort of thing to allow people really to get a deeper look into, you know, not yeah. just Orange County SC, but like sort of USL in general and sort of this, you know, lower league soccer league um that not a lot of people really pay attention yeah. to um in cameron that, like it's, that is the part that that they're doing really well is that uh right. between the streaming on espn plus uh and the sort of um self-promotional but also really informative um media that uh, that these clubs are doing i mean i i watched something on um, Tormenta FC, they did a whole mm -hmm. little documentary. Uh, now we've got Orange County here. I'm sure there's countless others that I, I haven't even gotten a chance to see yet, but I think this is, this is the best type of exposure. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, CBS all access that a lot of people who are upset, but you know, they carry the champions league. Now they carry the Europa league now. So you have a lot of fans of the European game who are turn tuning in to this sort of, um, network and the, the cool thing they're doing too is these uh episodes are airing after the champions league games so they're airing them on tuesdays i believe um either tuesdays or wednesdays so as soon as the champion the you know for eastern time zone people as soon as those 3 p.m champions league games get done they're going to start airing you know the path to glory so you kind of get that viewership from those people brought into that and so you know you have much more people tuning in much more people paying attention and it, it just will allow that sort of expansion and kind of understanding of what goes on down here at the lower levels yeah and i, and I hope it works and once uh you know these restrictions begin to uh fade i i hope that people are itching to get out to to games like these and if they've been exposed oh, yeah, to um, you know, a local club like they like they could be through a series like this. Um, I, I mm -hmm. hope they decide to go out and, and support their local team. Um, and while we're talking about local teams, Carl, oh, yes. I think I would like to <laughs> move into a, a little section I like to call Cam's Silly Name Corner. Um, this is also going to be a little bit of history. Uh, we had previously talked about some of the famed amateur clubs within the United States. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but now I'm going to talk a little bit about the am- no, not the amateur league structure because this was professional. The yeah. professional league structure dating back into the 1800s within the United States. So um, this was kind of crazy. I mean, this took a lot of Googling around to find, but there's some really good information here. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's so funny to think like, I mean, it's funny because I, and maybe because I jumped on sort of, I, I don't want to call it the bandwagon, but sort of watching the game in the early, like, you know, in the last decade um, and really paying attention to it. And of course there's people who've been, you know, since they were born who have been following and watching professional soccer. But I feel like the, you know, this sort of thing, like, doesn't really get talked about a lot sort of like how really no, deep definitely the not. history is you know in the united states when it comes to professional soccer um from the amateur leagues to the professional leagues like you were just talking about sure so let me kind of build a picture here so in 1895 the national association football league mm-hmm. was started in the united states um so a couple things to note this was semi-professional and two uh, they called it football, so that's that's a little bit interesting in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ran from nineteen uh, or eighteen ninety five to eighteen ninety eight, uh, and then it operated again from nineteen oh six until nineteen twenty one. So uh, it, you know we we did have quite a few professional clubs starting that early on. Right. Um, now what this did end up leading into was the uh, American Soccer League. Now, um, this was a league that existed in a couple different capacities from 1921 to 1933. This was a professional league. Um, And this was created through a merger between the National Association Football League and the Southern New England Soccer League. Um, Now, what's crazy reading into this this league is that um, there were actually a lot of imports from uh united kingdom scotland ireland uh etc like w- this league was big enough and it had enough draw at this point for a professional league that it, it was pulling in talent from overseas which is i i think m- not just mildly interesting but really interesting um and if you're thinking okay well these were just some rinky dink players that decided to you know hop on a boat and come to america because heck why not uh it, it was actually more because uh, no no that's not what i'm trying to say they were actually um national team capped players like these were these were no slouches when it comes to their their on-field ability um so yeah i mean we we had a whole structure spanning from 1895 to 1933 and before i get into uh what kind of led to the demise of that league after uh, 1933 carl i i want to do a little bit of a section here to um sort of a poll in a way i mean we'll, we'll see what kind of results we get back from this but i i personally i think this is a lot of fun for just us so carl um if you don't already have it in front of you i am sending you the list of uh, names here for all of these clubs. And I think we need to decide our top three names for clubs that need to come back with a modern iteration in one way or another. So Carl, do you have any nominations? That's, uh, oh man, this is, I think right off. My favorite person. Oh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead first. You go ahead first. Okay. (laughs) All right. 
I'm nominating Harrison Alley that was Boys. My, no, stop it. No. Okay. Now, All right. Well, that just means that's one of that our unanimous be. picks. Then. Ha- Harrison Alley Boys from 1915 to 1916. RIP to that club name. <laughs> but I mean, short-lived. short-lived, but how? Like if, if social media was around today, there is no way that Harrison Alley Boys gets terminated that quickly. Like people would eat no. that, you know, they, they would love it. I mean, you're, I, my, this is kind of off topic, Cameron, but it, I just popped into my yeah, head when it. I was thinking of these names, but I love it when like, you know, in, when sports organizations and you see it a lot with like minor league baseball teams sometimes, um, where they will do a Twitter poll to decide what their name is going to be. And if you can only imagine how a Twitter poll is going to go when it comes to naming your sports organization. Um, I think you have like the right. Binghamton Rumble Ponies, which is the double A, you know, minor league baseball affiliate for the professional team, the New York Mets. Um, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, like it, it just like goes off the rails. And I think if you put Harrison Alley Boys in any sort of poll for a sports organization name, it would be through the roof. Oh, I totally agree. And I think, you know, it, at the very least, uh, since they're in Harrison, I think the New York Red Bulls could uh, could do something or, or, with that name. You know, even if it's just one day, they do a special jersey just for the heck of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they'd get out of that, but we'd surely enjoy it. I, I think everybody would enjoy it. And I think what that would really bring attention to, which at the end of the day, which I think is important, is sort of the history of the game in the United States. You know, sort of like I mentioned before we got into this was that like it's never really talked about like believe me before we started like researching this like i really had probably a one percent of idea about what it really is you know in the united states when it comes to the history of soccer and maybe that dates as far back as when pele came here to play you know what i mean like it, it didn't definitely date back to the harrison alley boys in 1915 and 1916 no. So, like, doing things like this, having these, like, sort of historic heritage, like, soccer or football history nights, I think would be really, really good for the game in the United States for everyone who's involved. Well, here's another little bit of trivia. Uh, So, (laughs) there was actually a team that was associated with a Major League Baseball team at the time. Mm. Uh, There was a New York Giants soccer team that was associated with the New York Giants baseball franchise at the time. Interesting. Did they also play at Yankee Stadium like NYCFC does? Uh, No, I I don't believe so. Um, But yeah, I mean, I thought that was pretty neat that it was was serious enough that they were associated uh, with a baseball team of the time. Um, Some of my other favorites are the teams that were very obviously associated with a factory, um, (laughs) which was common within England Mm -hmm. uh, and most of the the, the soccer playing world at that time. So, you know, you have your Bethlehem Steel, uh, FC. You also have, this one's kind of interesting, uh, J&P Coates, (laughs) (laughs) AAFC. It's absolutely fantastic. And I mean... You know, you kind of hit it there, too, when you said that, like, you look at the history of a lot of, like, English 
clubs, especially, you know, throughout the uh, the professional leagues over there in England, and you read up on them, they're like, you know, in 1890, started in a factory, in 1896, yeah. started in a factory. So it's like, really, because, and you have to think too, you know, for, a, you know, this happened around sort of that industrial revolution as well. So um, I, I, I do think that's sort of a really neat uh, concept when you look at these things. And again, I think it's why we the MLS or, you know, someone or organizations can take it up themselves, have sort of a throwback night, a history night to kind of pay, mm -hmm. you know, bring up the word homage. Yeah, again. to like build a little bit of um of of knowledge for for the past there. You know, I, mm -hmm. I feel like it's something that's fairly ignored. And I, I swear, everyone, I'm going to get to that in a little bit as to what happened to this league that seemed quite robust at the time. Um, but just a couple more names that I want to bring up. Uh, Todd Shipyards, <laughs> FC. Great Sounds name. Like a Love beer. it. Uh, Indiana Flooring Co. <laughs> FC, which was a team based in New York City. Nothing to do with Indiana. Uh, oh, and my one of my personal favorites, Philadelphia Merchant Ship. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's... I don't know if it gets much better than all of these. No, it doesn't. Like it's you, now you're seeing like oh like something some or Sh Sh Charlotte Football Club. N not to hate on Charlotte. I'm sorry I brought that one up. But like no, no, definitely. But it's not. just like you know it's it's boring. There's no there's no like oomph to it. There's no spice. Like you know you gotta kind of spice these names up. And um one uh one I love one team name that like I always love and I love the club in general so maybe I'm a little biased is like Forward Madison like Forward Madison yeah. is such a like you know it's a unique name that like it, 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 it just kind of like you know no pun intended pushes the team forward like you know what I mean it's not just like <laughs> Madison okay FC. you intended that one I, I did intend that one I've been I've been for about 30 minutes now I've been sitting on that pine Cameron and I'm glad it finally was able to come up um but no it, it's just like when when we were thinking of these team names or when organizations are like that's that's not be so original that's that's get unique let's get funky let's that let's get wild man like let's <laughs> let's do True. something crazy all right well let's get organized here carl okay our top three top what are we going three. with harrison alley boys that's, that's got to go number that's one definitely we number one came to the agreement mm. okay number two uh, duh, duh. any ideas oh <laughs> uh, the... philadelphia merchant ships up there for me yeah that's got to be up there but also i one of them i guess we should go with one that's a little bit more realistic yeah like which to me new bedford whalers is not bad it's not bad you have the gordon rangers too which sounds kind of you know dublin fc that's definitely an interesting one um Let's see. We've got uh, Harrison Alley boys. I mean, New York, New York Giants would be yeah. kind of cool if they brought that back in some shape or form. That would be definitely neat. Because of the I connection mean, there, that it had. There's also so many like New York clubs. Like it, it, if you look at this, yeah. like, it's just like, especially in the Northeast area. I would think the majority of the clubs are actually in the Northeast area. Looking That's probably at this. why the league worked so well. They're so close. Like, and especially during this time, I mean, you didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, so mm -hmm. it's, 
it would have been really hard to travel around. <laughs> <laughs> You're just now getting the pun. I thought that was funny. That's another one I've been sitting on all day. Um, all right. So I'm, I'm just going to give my top three. All right. Go ahead. So I'm going to go with Harrison Alley Boys. Of course. Philadelphia Merchant Ship. That's the second. Uh, Fleischer Yam <laughs> FC. Fleischer. Wait, where is this? I, I think you sent me the wrong link. Oh, because sorry. I am looking. No, I there. Well, I sent you from the original league, oh, and I'm going to send you the second. Here. See, all right, um, you, you listeners, we can we can post these. This was an unfair, in our on our Twitter unfair advantage he had on this. Like this, this wasn't even close. Like now, I look at least okay, like. Obviously, I see now, like, uh, the Boston Bears. Oh, like, you know, these are all names I wasn't even looking at before. Um, the New- you have yeah, the Yeah, I'm, I'm giving you more here to work you with. You have the New York Yankees. Um, that rings a bell. Um, sure does. I think they played baseball or something. Uh, let's see here. I don't yeah. know. Something like that. Nobody cares about baseball on this podcast. Um, I actually care about baseball a little bit. Yeah, like th- this. Oh, what, what, what? This is, yeah, the Northeast United States mainly. No, th- these names are fantastic. Like, I, I do really wish they would bring them back. I mean, there's tons in Massachusetts from the New Bedford Whalers to the Fall River Marksmen. Um, you know, the Revs, it's the New England Revolution, right? Like, why, why don't they sort of kind of incorporate all of like New England history when it comes to these clubs? Um, mm. I think that would be really. They could neat. definitely do something. They, they could. I mean. So, what's your top three, Carl? We need your top three. All right, I gave all right, mine. All right. So, you give yours. Harrison Alley Boys, number one. Far and behold, number one. That one. I mean, I'm gonna get that tattooed across my chest. Um, <laughs> and then we have. We're gonna start that club up. <laughs> we are. Then we have Bethlehem Steel. I like that one. Like, it's not weird, but it's mm. like good enough that it just like it flows for me, and it, it just really works. Um, Agreed. I think number three would have to be the Bohemian Queens. That is a good that one. That is that is a good one. That was going to be my honorable mention. No, the Bohemian Queens are, or even Falcao FC sounds like a really like sort of cool name. Um, but no, definitely Harrison Alley Boys, Bethlehem Steel, Bohemian Queens. Book it. Top three. Nobody's beating those. All right. Well, those I think those are some good picks. Um, if anything, I hope this encourages people to take a look back at the time uh, and learn a little bit about uh, the, the leagues themselves. Um, maybe go digging, you know, see what you can find uh, about these early days. There's there's not as much information as there could be. Now, um, to the 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 meat of this conversation, mm-hmm. what happened? Um, so back in these early days of the United States soccer, they did still have uh, the Open Cup. As, as you know, a lot of people know, the Open Cup is actually the longest running uh, competition in the United States for soccer. Um, but back then, it was relatively difficult uh, for travel. I mean, even if you were going to travel from Boston all the way to Philadelphia, that wasn't mm-hmm. easy for a whole squad of guys to do. Um, these clubs did compete within the Challenge Cup uh, but what ended up happening is that um, by 1924, I'm, I'm pretty much just reading directly from the Wikipedia here, um, the league had started to pull quite a bit of talent from uh, Scotland and England. Um, they reference here that there was a decent level of pay um, and a high level of play as well. So uh, they reference about 50 European internationals that were, were good enough to play. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure... 
there it's I'll have to look more into the citation there. But um what one of the one of the things that sort of happened was that these teams didn't want to play within the National Challenge Cup just due to the financial burden of the travel. Mm-hmm. Um FIFA got involved oh, man. as well That's as some foreign thing. leagues um trying to force these teams to get into the 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 Challenge Cup. Um, which which kind of pressured the United States Football Association to reduce uh, their take of gate receipts at the game from 33% to 15%. Mm-hmm. That sort of helped some of these teams continue to participate. Um, it, it did end up getting a little bit worse. There was actually a split between the leagues. Um, so the uh, USFA ended up sponsoring a different league, um, splitting from the American Soccer League. Uh, it was the Eastern Professional Soccer League that they created. Um, and then it just kind of continued to get worse and worse because of the financial strain between the two. Mm. And eventually um, it just kind of led to the collapse of the entire system. And from then onward, uh, the the general public sort of tried to see it as, or not, they didn't try to see it as, they saw it as uh, a foreign body, so FIFA, coming in. Um, telling us what we had to do with our league and people kind of got put off by that. They, they saw that as, you know, the Europeans trying to get involved with our sports and um, it, it kind of led to the decline of the sport itself and also the sport being viewed as, as you know, a European, a, a that's not for us because they just try to get involved in our business type thing. And um, most likely what gave rise to the, the sports of basketball, baseball and, and football. That, you know, I just... Thinking about that, I, I think we've mentioned on our podcast before just briefly, but when I had that coworker come up to me and talk, we were discussing, you know, professional soccer here in the United States. And he was like, oh, I enjoyed when it was more Americanized. And it just feels like that was sort of, you know, even way back then, like that was the attitude, like sort of towards the sport and like just sports in general here in the U.S. Like they they want it sort of you know we want it to sort of be our own thing our own system that's Mm. different than the european model different than the fifa model like we we just wanted to have success without leaning on whatever they had designed albeit successful we just wanted it to be our own thing and you know just to see sort of that how fifa kind of stepped in and we got put off by that because we didn't want to be you know the european you know, professional league or have the model that they had. And I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about all these things all the time, Cameron. And we've, you know, it feels like, you know, we're discussing this over and over again, talking in circles, but it just feels like it always comes up that, you know, that model's successful, that model is exciting, that model works. Um, it's still time will tell, I guess, you know, I, I wouldn't call the MLS and what, you know, professional soccer here in the U.S. throughout the history not successful, but I feel like right. there's so much more potential it could live up to if we did take things um, like what they do in Europe and what they do in pretty much in every other league around the world. You know, it, it's just like... Well, you, you have to think that there was this unnecessary pressure that was put on the league structure in those early yeah. days. and. Uh, you have to wonder if if that hadn't happened. I mean, granted, we went into the Great Depression as it was, um, right. but if that if that hadn't happened, there were there was already about thirty years of history uh, with professional soccer within the United States at that point. Right. I I just wonder how much longer this would have gone on its own if if you know 
this would have drastically changed the landscape of 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 the soccer of the soccer of the of, soccer. Uh, soccer within the United States. Yeah, no, it, it, but maybe it would have. Like, who, who knows? Like you mentioned, the Great Depression was coming up, and financially for teams, that could have, you know, whatever, you know, that could have drowned out a lot of things. Even if we did allow FIFA to kind of tell us what to do. Um, but I guess you know the the past is history, and um, no, it is intriguing is to true. sort of have this foresight looking back, just thinking like, what if, like, what would have happened? Um, and who knows where we would be now if the, we did allow that to happen? Like, maybe we wouldn't be complaining about relegation or salary caps. You know, what I mean, like, <laughs> maybe we would, you know, saw, we would have won eight World Cups by now. Like, who knows? Like, it, it's. It's an interesting topic to talk about. And, you know, like we mentioned, it's it's really awesome to see the history of the sport here. And especially for me personally, I know for you too, Cameron, but um, for me, it's just like, wow, like there is a lot of history there here that I think even rivals like the history of basketball, the history of football. Like you think of basketball and football, like they don't date back as far as soccer does. I think baseball is the only sport the other sport that goes into yeah, the early, come close. yeah, the early 1900s, late 1800s. Um, every other sport started, you know, in the 1950s, 1960s, and that's when it really started going. Like, soccer has that deep, rich history that people just they don't know or they just don't look for because they, I guess, I don't want to say they don't care, but you know, I don't know. Well. I think this this is, you know, we're officially the Harrison Alley Boys podcast. We um, are the Harrison Alley Boys. We're going to make t-shirts. We're going to send them out. $50 you know we, a you shirt. Know what? That would actually be fun. We we should try to design a Harrison Alley Boys Touchline takes. soccer jersey. Yeah, we should. Of definitely. some sort. Sponsored um, by Touchline Takes on the front. I wonder if we could figure out some sort of like lineage of Harrison Alley Boys. If there's anybody like, I mean... If there's any listener or somebody it, out try. there that has a great grandfather or something that played for the Harrison Alley boys and, you know, th- th- I mean, that's like finding a needle in a haystack because, again, they only lasted like what? One year, 1915, 1916. One year, yeah, I think we'd be we'd be better suited looking at the teams that, uh, you know, made it a couple of years. I mean, Definitely. there's like the Kearney Scots that lasted about 12 years. Yeah, they were around um, for a while. New Bedford Whalers you, were you around for a long time, I think. They had a lot of success, yeah, too. Yeah, you know, there, there's some that we could probably find something about, but, um, our, you know, just regardless, long live Harrison Alley, boys. Long Now, live. Uh, let's let's move down south. Carl, you're a big Copa uh, Libertadores fan, uh, yes. as am I. Yes, yes, but yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the lead on this one. What are you thinking? We're we're rolling here into the quarterfinals. Uh, yes, we're we're rolling right on, and it, it's been it's been really interesting. And, you know, obviously Flamengo, the reigning champions, already out. Hassing beat them last round in penalties, um, so we're officially going to have a brand new champion come January in the Copa Libertadores. Um, it, it's there's a lot of sort of surprises but also not surprises like I wasn't I wasn't too shocked to watch Flamengo go down I mean they've been so kind of you know fluctuating up and down all season ever since George Jesus left for Benfica back in August um, really ever since sort of the you know the season restarted down there in South America um, 
I think they've gone through like three coaches already. And it's just like they, they never really found their groove or haven't found their groove yet. Um, you know, Boca Juniors, Boca Juniors, it's, they're Boca Juniors. Like, I mean, it's, it is really no surprise to see Boca Juniors and River Plate still hanging around in the quarterfinal stage. But getting by on the skin of their teeth, though, yeah, I mean, they did. Boca only made it through on pens. They did. And, um, and nothing against Internationale. And Internationale are a very competitive team. Um, their coach, actually, fun fact here, their coach, Abdul Bragda, was, has done a couple stints there at Internationale. He was the coach back in 2006. Internationale won the Copa Libertadores, the second time in history they won it. And then they went on mm. to win the FIFA World Cup. And get or the club, the world, club cup. world cup, yes, excuse me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they went on to defeat Italy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, they they go on to win the FIFA Club World Cup. They beat Barcelona, that Barcelona team in 06. Um, that had you know, Ronaldinho, that that really stacked Barcelona team, which is just like, like, I can't think of you know, I, I don't know a lot of history of FIFA Club World Cups, but I can't think like. You know, another sort of no, underdog. There haven't been many times where, yeah, a team from that's e- happened. You know, beats a team from Europe. Um, so that that's really interesting. And I mean, there are no pushover, and um, Boca Juniors haven't really found a great groove this season. Um, so I, I really think that Hassing versus Boca Juniors in the quarterfinals is going to be a really fun matchup. Um, but even like the, I would say the surprises right now, uh, Libertad is still hanging around. They played Palmeiras from Brazil really, really close the other day. Um, and then Nacional, like they're sort of like that wild card team. Um, and for our listeners who have listened to our World Tour podcast of Uruguay, we talked about Nacional a little bit and sort of their dominance down there. Um, but they they could surprise River Plate, I think. I, I think River Plate's a little, little vulnerable, um, and they could really make a run. But, you know, I one of the funnest things to watch, and this just kind of, like, exemplifies you know, soccer in South America and like the Copa Libertadores and just sort of the fierceness. Um, Santos, who are in the quarterfinals, they drew Gremio in the first game, 1-1. But Santos played Quito. Um, and we love our Ecuadorians here on the podcast. But sure the, <laughs> the extra time, Cameron, get this. The extra time of the Santos-Quito game saw 22 minutes of extra time in like once in the second half 22 minutes of added time sorry excuse me um there and during that added time i believe there were four red cards there were six yellow cards given out and it's just like it, it just make i i love it like I, I really do the competitive nature you know of the copa libertadores like you know, the competitive nature between the players, the competitive nature between the fans, you know, I think it was a couple years ago, you know, you had Boca Juniors and River Plate in the final for the first time ever. Um, and like they had to delay the oh, game. Right, right. They had to delay the second leg of that game and move it to Madrid because like, I think it was uh, one of the team's buses was getting like tear gassed. 
And so, like, it it, it just shows short of that competitive natures of the Copa Libertadores. And I I think, you know, it's it's, if you haven't checked it out, if you haven't watched any, like, you know, of the game from South America, I highly recommend it because it's it's just so much fun. And you get those interesting little stories like the coach from Internacional, you know, that winning the Club World Cup back in 2006 um, against a European giant at the time. Yeah, and it's 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 rolling on. Um, it's there's a lot of passion within this this competition. That's oh, beautiful. Uh, if you're trying to catch some of the games, uh, you can catch Racing Club and Boca Juniors Wednesday, December sixteenth at seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Palmeiras and Libertad. Uh, Libertad probably the remaining minnow in the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Tuesday, January uh, December fifteenth. Right. And Santos and Gremio on Wednesday, December sixteenth as well. Yes, and it's. I think the final is going to be in January, so it's really weird because after the last quarterfinal, which is yeah, December, January twenty third, yeah, so it's going to be a month between the last quarterfinal and the the actual final, and I think like six six weeks after that, they'll start the the qualifying once again, um, the qualifying round into the group stage. So um, it's a quick turnaround, um, and for a lot of the, the leagues down in South America, they play sort of a MLS schedule type of league. So they begin in like March or April. Um, and so it's, it's a lot of soccer all the time and, um, it'll be exciting to see who comes out on top Cameron. Um, but we can go a little farther North now, um, for the CONCACAF champions league which remarkably is, uh, I, I almost completely forgot about it, Cameron. Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess I had no idea what they had decided to do and just gave up. But yeah, they're, they're finishing from uh, the competition that began, or I'm sorry, not began, but um, kind of left off in March of this year uh, due to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, they sort of had to just put it off, but yeah, we're, we're starting up again, and um, <laughs> I, I kind of needed a refresher course. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I, I almost completely forgot who, who was still in this tournament. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> I really was almost surprised, too, looking back, like, oh, wow, like, these guys are still here, and they're still there. Yeah. Um, and a like, first leg has already been played for a lot of these teams. Yeah, like Atlanta United are down 3-0 to Club America. And I'm just like, oh, like that's that's interesting. Um, and I think the only game that hasn't played a first leg in the quarterfinal is LAFC and Cruz Azul. Um, that will be a fun one. Um, yeah, like it's, it's kind of coming fast all of a sudden. Um, I guess they sort of wanted to wait for both the leagues in Mexico and, uh, um, the U S to sort of end before restarting it. Maybe just because of the load of games that a lot of these teams were. That's what I'd imagine. Yeah. That's what it seems like. Just to help with travel, space it out a little bit, possibly. But it's really interesting looking at the schedule Cameron, because, um, are they doing this at a neutral site or are they doing I'm, I'm like, oh, so they are. I thought they were. Yes, they yeah, are. I'm, yeah. I'm just checking. They're doing it in Orlando. It's in the United States, right? Yeah. So okay, they're, yep. Yeah. Yep. I, so they're doing it, I think, the Orlando City Stadium. Um, because I was looking at like the dates of the game. So they restart again on the 15th, December 15th. 
Um, and then the semifinals are December 19th, and those are one leg each. And then the final is on December 22nd. So I said no way that they're traveling, you know, between Mexico and the U.S. and all this um, in that short of time. But it does make sense that they're doing sort of a bubble style type of thing like they did with the MLS's back tournament. Yeah, and there's a, there's been a couple omissions so far. Um, Bradley Wright Phillips won't play uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League. For LAFC, we're not going to see Bojan. Um, Bojan's uh, Montreal Impact, although there is a little bit of a story even with Montreal Impact. Apparently, they're looking to change their name to just um, Montreal Football Club or so- was it Football Club or Soccer Club, but they're looking to change their name. There's been a bit of an outcry because it's not... Um, in any sort of Quebecois format. So, yeah. I mean, I was actually a, a little confused by that as well, but, uh, you know, not nothing much no. we can do there. No. But, yeah, they are playing Olympia, so they're the only club that is playing, or ironically enough, the only team that's not from the United States and the only team that's not from Mexico are playing each other. So we will get to witness that. Uh, and yeah, and then we got we got the big boys here as well. T-Race will be playing NYCFC, mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta United Club America, and as we mentioned, LAFC playing Cruz Azul. So a lot of good games to catch here. Uh, it's a competition that that definitely gets overlooked, especially um, just, just because it's not really marketed well, I would yeah, say. Yeah, not um, at all. You don't hear a lot about it. Uh, especially considering, you know, you probably hear more about the Europa League than you do about the CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we were both just saying before we started talking about it, like, oh my God, like, it's starting again. Like, what the heck? Like, where did this come from? Like, I haven't seen it even, you know, and I follow tons of sort of, you know, soccer pundits and pundits of the sport on social media. And, you know, I have read it with all the threads and I feel like I've seen zero talk about the CONCACAF Champions League starting up again. And just one quick Google search and we're like, holy cow, like that's in five days. Like, where did this even come from? Exactly. And I think the what it's going to take to change that is if somebody sees the marketing potential uh, within this competition, um, they're going to have to come in and provide a significant enough purse, uh, for the, you know, the teams to first take this seriously and then, um, sponsorships as well to come in to see the marketing potential within it. So, uh, you know, it's an, it's an underwatched competition, but definitely give it a shot. It's one of the best ways we can measure, um, MLS teams against Mexican teams. Spoiler alert, uh, not because good. that is, that is usually what it comes down to. Yeah. Not, not great. <laughs> not historically. great. Um, and, may, and maybe that's why they don't market it so much here in the U S cause they know we're just going to get the floor wiped with us. Um, so <laughs> that could be a reason too. Um, but again, like I, I doubt it because, you know, a lot of times these things come down to money. And like you said, there's a lot of potential here. So it really is sort of confusing why it doesn't get market like it should. Totally agree, Carl. Well, that is uh, pretty much all the updates that I we had so. for everyone today. Yeah. Carl, you have any uh, parting words for us? Parting wisdom? I mean, we always try to get a little wisdom out of oh, Carl at the end of the pod. At, at the end of the pod, it's a, it's a little Carl's wisdom. I don't know how much I have left right now. Um, but you know what? It's 
My wisdom is this. We are entering the holiday season, the end of the year. You know, this is for a lot of people, you know, it's an exciting time. It's a relaxing time. I know with a lot that's going on, sometimes that can be sort of forgotten about. But, you know, I I think for the sport of soccer is something we can all be, you know, for lovers of the game, for people who enjoy it. It's something we can all sort of like look at and feel happy about. Um, I think, yeah. I, I think here in the U.S., here in Europe, I, I, I think it, it just like it really means <laughs> means a lot, man. But like, you, you're gonna get me crying here. Holy, holy shit! Um, it, it, it's just the, the sport it has, out, it has touched us out. in ways where we don't know how to explain. And as as a, as a Tottenham fan. <laughs> Seeing us top of the league for the first time in six years. <laughs> oh, holy night, Cameron. Oh, holy that is the present under the tree. That is the, the present under the tree, tree right there. You know, there, there's a photo of Jose Mourinho sitting right there, and he's looking at me, and he's saying, don't get your hopes up because we're just a pony in this race. And I'm like, <laughs> we are not just a pony. We are a full-fledged Mustang, and we are going to ride that Mustang to the title. This, it, this has been a touching moment for me. It has been a touching time for well, me, thanks, Carl. And, you know, I, I, I just hope everybody feels the same, even if you're not a Tottenham fan. I hope... I, I do. I'm moved. I, 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 I hope people can really understand sort of, you know that this sport in all seriousness is so much damn fun it's so much fun and at the end of the day well carl that's it at the end of the day i've got to go to sleep because <laughs> we record these late at night we do record and, these uh, if people uh, only I'll knew be back. if people only knew it is <laughs> if people only knew if what we do what we do to record and to give this blessing to your ears um but yes, Cameron, this has been another wonderful episode of Touchline Takes. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, complaints, you can reach out to us at Touchline Takes on Twitter or our email, touchlinetakes at gmail.com. Again, our Instagram is in the works. <laughs> Sorry, I just laugh every time because I feel like we say that all the time. Um, but Cameron... It's like a construction site in Montreal. We, we do. Our, our our Instagram, we we want it perfect, and it isn't quite there yet. But we're almost there. We're telling you, maybe that's our Christmas gift or our holiday gift to all our listeners is an Instagram, a Touchline Takes podcast Instagram. Merry, Ooh, Merry the Christmas. greatest gift. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Everybody.